Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. Hold on to your pants, it's time for a special episode. Hey, it's Peter, and I'm here with Mike. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. And uh, if you are watching this on the YouTube channel, hello. Hello. This is our big end of the year uh, ranking episode where Peter and I are going to look back at the 19 games that he or I in some combination covered on the podcast. Yep, I guess you're expecting me to say something there. I, I don't know what it was. Yeah, I realized after I stopped talking, I was like, I didn't, I, I didn't really leave him a clear like opening for what to say next. Yes, we are, Mike. Thanks for that. That's smooth right. yeah, yeah. I, I needed to give Peter the chance to say absolutely nothing. Okay, yes. Uh, so we're going to rank our top 19 games uh, from the podcast this year. Of course, we played a lot of other games, including recently, and we'll also talk a bit about uh, 2023 overall because this has been a an exciting year for us in many ways. Also yep. kind of a tumultuous year for a uh, one-stop co-op shop in general, but I think in a way that worked out great for everybody. But uh, first, I guess let's uh, talk a bit about what we've been playing. Start with the easy stuff. So Peter, uh, what are some things that have been on your table recently? Okay. So I played two games, both on board game arena with Jerry last weekend. They're both competitive. So I'm going to put that out there right away. One-stop competitive shop. We'll start <laughs> with that. Um, but they're both new games that I, I think the audience might be at least a little bit interested in. One is based on one of my favorite games, which is, well, it's, it's Gaia Project, but uh, this is Terra Nova. So this is the streamlined, shorter version of Terra Mystica. So I guess Terra Mystica started first, then there was Gaia Project. Now Terra Nova basically really streamlines it. Now, wait, 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 hold on. Did, There's did another it, one, too. Did a third one just come out? How many of these games are there? A fourth Fortune. one. <laughs> A fourth one came out. And then there's also Clans of Caledonia, which uses a lot of similar systems as well, but that's by a different publisher. So Terra Nova takes out, usually in the game, there's like three economies. There's like a magic or power economy where you're like getting magic or power. There's a money economy. And then there's like building materials type of economy. This takes out one of those, the building materials, and basically just focuses around the magic and around the money aspect of it. It's very similar to Terra Mystica except it takes it also takes out the god tracks so it's really a simplified streamlined version honestly if i'm going to introduce somebody to the game this is how i would do it sure it's funny because i listened to a dice tower review a while ago and they're like oh it's terra mystica for babies i would never play that i i don't agree with that assessment of it i wouldn't play it with people who love gaia project and, and games like this it wouldn't be a suitable fill-in for those games but if I'm teaching somebody the system new that has no, no knowledge of it at all, there's a lot of complex things within both Gaia Project and Terra Mystica. And for the price, I think it was like 30 or 40 bucks. I think it's like 40 bucks retail and 30 bucks online or whatever. I'm thinking about picking it up just to introduce the system to new people and play it with people who don't play as many games as, as we do all the time. Because I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was really good for what it was, which is for me, an introductory to that system. And honestly, if they add expansions to it and up the complexity just a little bit in the future, I think it could be a really good uh, and maybe even replace Terra Mystica for me completely. Mm. Well, Dan, doesn't Gaia Project already replace Terra Mystica for you pretty much? Yes, but uh, you know me. <laughs> I like the fantasy theme and sure. I, I could see situations where I'd play this over even Gaia Project because again, I think it's going to be a little bit faster, a mm. little bit simpler, you know, you're taking some of that, you know, if you're not in the mood for as heavy a game for the night, I think it does a lot of the same things, 
and just simplifies it and streamlines it a lot. So for me, in a good way, Jerry didn't like it as much as I did. He said he'd rather play Guy Project anytime. But again, I don't know it's the kind of game I'd pull out on a game night with us. But if to introduce people to the system, to introduce my kids to the system, I think it's a much cleaner and easier way to introduce it. And again, it's not the kind of game that I would be sad to play at any point. Like if you guys wanted to play it one night, I would happily do it. That's cool. All right, well, I'll jump in with one of mine and then you can do your second one. I actually, what's weird for me recently is that I got a, a glut of crowdfunding prototypes in the last like two to three weeks. And I've been kind of running around with my head cut off to get them all recorded because prototypes sort of throw a weird wrench into the schedule because um, often I-, I like to send them on to other content creators whenever possible, you know, so like the company right. can get more people covering them so that I'm not like holding on to it too long. But it means that I'm like spending a lot of time recording a video that's for like a month in advance, which means that I'm not recording the video that I actually need for like the next week. So it's always a little bit hectic when I have a whole lot of them. But there's a bunch of cool ones. I got a prototype of Worm Spam that's recently announced, the Dragon Wingspan, which I know you like dragons, Peter. So I'm excited to see if uh, that one's fun. The newest Aeon Zen, which I can't t- talk about yet because I don't think that's been officially announced what it's called or anything about it yet. I just did a preview this week for The Last Lighthouse and the second edition of Hunted Kobayashi Tower. So that's a ton. But what I am most excited about, I haven't played it yet. It just arrived yesterday. And this is after a uh, uh, Tagamonia, by the way, which I know you don't even remember, Peter. Like, I it was don't one even of remember Agamonia. Yeah, it's one of our top <laughs> excited games. And, and you loved it when we played it on TTS over and over again. We recorded like four streams on it. <laughs> you don't even remember the game. <laughs> it has been a while. It, it, that, that's pretty sad. Yeah. yeah, There's so many games. There's so yes, many games. There are so many games. But anyway, um, this one it has been one of my most anticipated games for over a year. I adored it when we covered it uh, for crowdfunding on TTS. I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever had a physical prototype. I think we only played it on TTS. This is a uh, narrative adventure game in like a really cool fantasy setting. So yeah, Peter, I, I, I documented this like whole adventure on Discord, but basically, like you, USPS said a couple days after Christmas that they had tried to deliver it my house. They did it. <laughs> they said it was like not possible to deliver it. I'm like, what? We're just here. We're we're at home. And then, um, and then like, and it shipped from Finland. There's like an early review copy they shipped from uh, Europe. Then they sent it back to New York to like send oh, it gosh. back to Finland. And so I was like calling USPS multiple times, being on hold. Like they they escalated the issue multiple times, and then finally it arrived yesterday. Yay! And it's gigantic. And what's did they the f- did they actually tr- try to send it back, or did you stop it before they, they it- got it before it got on an international flight? So yeah, it never left New York. It came back to Maryland. But yeah, what's funny is that they had shipped uh, it's a huge game, so they shipped a second box with like uh, optional miniatures and a lore book and this other stuff. So what I've been doing is reading the lore book in advance because I remember liking the game. And holy crud, dude, like, yeah, I think we'll probably both agree that most narrative in board games is fine. You know, right. like, it's not yeah. really as good as a book, usually for obvious reasons. And, and I'm not even saying obvious reasons like the writers aren't as good. I think some of the writers doing board games are great, but more for obvious reasons, because like the, the the format, you know, it's like communicate right. something kind of interesting in like half a page and then shut up for a while while they play a game and then like pick up where they left off like that that's a tough situation to write into but anyway, yeah this lore book has like two kind of short stories in it and then a little prologue story for every character oh wow. they're friggin great and, and oh, by the way uh peter for, for you <laughs> they have a official app that i think is coming out but it's linked in uh, this thing they sent me 
and it's got a uh, voice narration for all the prologues. You can just like, uh, you know, on your on your morning drive, listen like they actually recommend. They're like, hey, send this file to like send this website to people in advance, send the app to people in advance and have them like listen to their character's prologue before the first time. Because you have, I think, choices that like feed into your character's quest. They are amazing, cool. man. I just read because uh, I want my kids to play. So I just read one of the characters for them and they were like 100 percent hooked. One of the other characters showed up in their prologue. So my, my oldest son was like, can we read that person's character next? Can we? I want to hear that person's story. So I know it's going to like be awesome when they get into the game. Now, I haven't played the game again yet. I have no idea if the stories like are used well <laughs> or if you're just like, OK, right. forget all that crap. Dungeon, dungeon, dungeon. You know, like, I don't know where it's going to go. But yes, uh, so this isn't really a game I played, but it's it's on my mind and in my house. <laughs> Agamonia is uh, is coming up soon. I'm really excited. Well, I don't even care if they're used well. If it is dungeon, 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 I think I'd be okay with that as well. Because the bottom line is, if it gets you into the character and gets you excited to play like it did with your kids, I think that's the important thing there. And honestly, to some degree, I guess this is a sto- more of a story-based game. But if it wasn't, if you didn't read the story, you'd still be okay playing it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, even yeah, if yeah. you don't read the backstory. So I, I don't know that I care too much. Well, um, well, here's the thing. If it ties in or not. I think I think it will, which I think you're right, will maybe push some people off the game if they don't want to deal with that, because all the stories so far are like really big cliffhangers. And like, clearly, I think over the course of the big quest for all the characters, you'll have like things that tie into your story. Like somebody's mother got killed and they're trying to like get revenge on the person who killed him. Like if that doesn't ever come up again, if I just go dungeon yeah. jumping, I'd be kind of pissed off. You know what I mean? Right. So, right. So I don't but know. Maybe it, yeah. It might be the kind of thing where it matters if you care and it doesn't matter if you don't care. Sure. Sure. That, sure. That, that, that would be the ideal. I think. Anyway, Peter, yeah. what was your, your second game? I'm going too deep on this one. Oh no, that's all right. So my second game is a game called Forest Shuffle. Have you heard of this one? Yeah, I've heard really good things. Uh, my buddy, I, I'm playing with his group at work, and he said he has it, but I haven't played it yet. We played uh, the Fox Experiment instead, which was actually really fun. I like that one. But yeah, tell me about Forest Shuffle. So Forest Shuffle is a lot of people are calling it Earth without the board and without all that stuff. Basically, you're shuffling up a deck of cards. You're getting a hand of cards, and you're using cards to pay for other cards. You're going to place plant trees. So you'll get tree cards, but you don't have to plant them because you can actually place any card face down on the board as like a tree, as a sapling or whatever else. And then you're going to play cards to all four sides of those trees. So you'll play like squirrels that'll be in the tree or birds or butterflies will be above the trees and below the trees might be like ferns or so you're basically building like an ecosystem, but it's all based on like drawing cards. So on your turn, you can either draw two cards or play a card. I think that's basically it. But when you discard cards, so whether it's to pay for another card or whether it's, I guess that's the only other time you, I guess if you had over 10 cards in your hand, you discard down to 10. But uh, so when you're paying for cards and you're discarding cards, you're discarding them to the middle. So you can't necessarily hold things for other from other people. Although Jerry pointed out to me later that you could place it face down as a sapling, which might be something to like, you know, if somebody's looking for like that fourth type of butterfly or whatever, because it's all like set collection at the end of the day. It's like for every tree, you get a point for every. I mean, we scored 
like I scored over 200 points. Jerry did not. So Jerry didn't like the game as much as I did. Uh, <laughs> that sounds about so right. <laughs> that, that, that was the story of the weekend, by the way. I said Terranova he didn't like either. Guess what? I beat him in that one as well. So there there might be a theme here for Jerry not liking and, the games. And, and hey, he I actually think, liked the games. You were just complaining uh, the last time we had a game night all together that you didn't win a single game. So there you go. You turned your streak around. Or It's when I'm there. I, I'm your bad luck charm. No, well, you know, you know me. When I play games, I'm usually just there to have fun. I just kind of experiment with a bunch of stuff and like experiment with with the game. I said, nope, this time I'm focusing on a strategy. I'm not going to veer from it. And it worked both times. I like literally went for something and followed through to the end, which which sometimes is a problem for me because I'm like, oh, look, that card's pretty cool, even though it has nothing to do with anything <laughs> I'm doing. It's pretty cool. So this time I stuck with a strategy. So yes, yes. Uh, I guess every once in a while I can win a game. Nice. And then we play more Similo. That that has become our end of the night game. It's a good palate cleanser. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. When you played some heavy stuff or some, because those were both new games to us. We learned them both on board game arena all the same night and played them. They're not well. Terra Nova was easier because we'd played enough Terra Mystica and Gaia Project and stuff that it was just trying to figure out the intricacies. Forest Shuffle is just pretty straightforward um, and not that difficult a game and pretty easy to learn. So if you're interested in either of them, they're both available on Board Game Arena. Great, uh, great implementations. So it sounds like uh, so so for clarity for everybody else who doesn't uh, know, uh, Peter, Jerry and I would generally game every Saturday. And recently, my uh, my family, specifically my wife, was like, hey, I want to see you more often, <laughs> which is fair. So now I'm doing every other Saturday with Peter and Jerry. And it sounds like it's working out perfect because now you can play all the Euros that I, I don't play as much with you guys. <laughs> right. And so you'll hear more about Euros because I'm actually playing them. Uh, and, and to be honest, Mike, not only did your wife say she wanted to see you more, but Jerry and I said we wanted to see you less. So that, that's yes. Yes. I mean, both ends of the spectrum. A- everyone's happy. Everyone's doing yes. great. <laughs> uh, so my other game, I'll be really quick with this one. I uh, have been continuing to play a ton of competitive games with my sons. And the one that's hit the table a lot recently, again, it, it kind of, we have like cycles, like I'll play Exceed for a while, and then we'll play something else for a while, and then we'll play something else for a while. Summoner War 2nd Edition. I don't no, know I what, what made us bring it out again, but oh man, it's so good. You, you know what I did, Peter? What's that? So I already have, uh, I bought the Master Set. This is a, sorry, for people who don't know, this is a, a 1v1 a skirmish, like kind of battle game in a fantasy setting with very different factions. You have like the option to do deck construction, but generally I just use the faction as is. Dice-based combat, awesome game. And I think it's tactical movement-based combat. Yeah. You know, a lot of tactics that go with it. And the best part is it's like a deck of cards, right? Each yep. faction is just a deck of cards. So there's no painting or anything else. Yeah, this is one of my favorite games of all time. Me too. For some, Peter, it's the same for Far Shuffle. It's one of those games where like you, sp- you're, you can get rid of cards to pay for other cards. And in Summoner Wars, you only go through your deck once, so you can like deck yourself out and limit your options a ton if you rush it. But anyway, um, yeah, so we, we're having so much fun with it. I bought two new factions, and at least for a little bit, <laughs> Plaid Hat Games, who makes it, has a uh, subscription service. So I've subscribed oh. to Summoner <laughs> Wars. So they're like sending me two decks of Summoner Wars every three months. Now, it seems cool. <laughs> By the way, I'm not, I'm not paid by Plaid Hat or anything. Uh, but in fact, Summoner Wars, since it doesn't have a solo mode, they didn't, I don't think they sent me anything. I just bought it all myself. But the subscription service means that you get free shipping if you're in the contiguous United States. And you can cancel whenever you want. And they have previews before every set goes out. 
So like I looked at the sets that are coming and they both look awesome. So I was like, I want those. So it seemed like I, I was going to order them anyway. And they were like, oh, no shipping. <laughs> so as long as I remember <laughs> to keep checking and don't just let them send me 85 decks that I don't need later on, you know, I can cancel I want to. But anyway, yeah, Seven of Wars, second edition. Uh, it's got a great online implementation. It's a solo campaign. Uh, it's There's only one of them they want to do more, but they haven't done it yet. So they haven't put much energy into it. But the one that's there is a lot of fun. I did a video of it on the channel. But yeah, awesome game. You know, if you ever want to pl uh, play, get on Discord, ask me, I'll jump on with people. <laughs> it's uh, one of my, along like with Exceed and some of these other ones, one of my favorite like head-to-head, -head, consistently exciting games to play. When you buy physical decks for the game, can you play them online or do you get a subscription while you're subscribed? So you if you do the subscription, I did, I forgot to say, I think it comes with the the online like subscription for free, but th they do one of those things like a lot of uh, games do these days where they cycle the free decks every like week or whatever. So, yeah. you know, if you like, you can play the orcs for a while. And then if you love the orcs, you can buy the orcs for, I don't know, a buck or two. And then you'll have them forever on the online platform. But there are always free decks and all the solo stuff is free. So, uh, cool. Those are some games we've been playing. Uh, briefly, before I forget, let's thank some of our patrons. If you didn't know, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash one stop. The main things on there are tons of bonus exclusive videos. Some of them are me and Peter talking about stuff. Uh, some of them are me doing like top 10 lists. I have extra playthroughs on there. Uh, I've never done an extra review on there, but I do like a uh, top. Uh, I rank every game by different companies, like every Chip Theory game, every Z-Man game, that kind of stuff. Lots of fun things. Uh, two videos a month based on the tier you support. And then you also get to see uh, all the videos for the channel a week ahead of time. I'm actually just about to send out a survey to ask like the uh, patrons what else they'd like to see. So yeah, it's, it's a good time. Uh, we really appreciate the support. Patreon.com slash one stop. And I want to thank, uh, the one other thing we do is thank people on the air. So I want to thank uh, Ian, just Ian, <laughs> no last name given, uh, Matthew Green. This one is in uh, Chinese characters. So I put it in Google Translate, and this is probably wrong, but uh, Zhen Gren Chen, maybe. Zhen Gren Chen, thank you. <laughs> and I think I had a couple more. Dennis Luck and Stephanie Donahoe. So Ian, Matthew, Zhen Dren. Dennis and Stephanie, appreciate your support. And if uh, Patreon is not in your budget at the moment, you can also subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can uh, subscribe to this podcast, leave a review for us. All that stuff helps and uh, keeps you on the co-op journey and the solo journey with us. All right. You want to get into our top 19 games of the year, and then we'll end up with our discussion of One Stop Co-op Shop and, and the journey that we've had this year and uh, clean it up with some facts about the podcast, things like that as well, which are always fun at the end where we play Stump the Mic. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say uh, we probably get to the top list because I've definitely bored people too much with talking about uh, the intricacies of... <laughs> Summoner Wars uh, subscriptions and narrative for a game I have not played yet, <laughs> except for a prototype. Uh, cool. So, yes, uh, Peter or I, uh, we have a podcast every week or two. Uh, Jason Perez has done a lot of the episodes as well. We are not uh, ranking games on this that Jason covered, unless both of us played a whole bunch of them, too. So we ended up with 19 games this year. And, yeah, we're just going to go through starting from 19. Uh, Peter, you want to go first with your 19 and we'll just kind of alternate. Well, from I there. do, but I also want to do a couple predictions before we okay. start. Okay. Um, and, and if you want to throw in a couple predictions, you can. Okay. I'm going to guess that we have the same number one game this year. I am 99% sure that is true. <laughs> okay. 
Just looking at the list, I'm 99 percent sure that's. I, I would. I, I was. I'm. I'm tempted to say we have the top two are the same, but I, I'm not sure about number two. But I'm, I'm uh, pretty. Sure. Maybe. Maybe. M- maybe for one and two. And I am I'm, also. Oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was. I was going to make one. I think that we will have. This might be not as uh, not as confident. I think that we will have w- at least one game in common in the bottom two, <laughs> 19 and 18. <laughs> I, I think my my 18 might be your 19. I think that okay, might be. Yeah, true. yeah. I, I th- that's what I'm saying. I feel I, I feel like there's some that are going to be vast. Actually, I think I know which game. Yeah, I think I know which game will be the most divergent as well. I, I, I do, I'm, too. I'm guessing that. All right. It's my number 19. I'm not going to say the name. Do you, do you want to guess what the title is? Oh God, uh, it's your number nineteen. Oh, well, that's that going to be my my guess for our most divergent game. Okay, it's all right. So, am I guessing what your number nineteen is before you say it? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Twenty strong. No. Ah, no, no. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, then I, I still I, I still think number nineteen will be a further divergence than maybe oh. even twenty strong. Oh my um, God. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my guest for me, my number three is going to be the lowest on your list. Okay, okay. So the most divergent the other way. But I think my number 19 is going to be the, the biggest divergence for for all of us. Because my number 19 is resist. Oh, that's OK. That's OK. <laughs> OK. I see. I thought it was going to be really high. I thought it was going to be in your top five. Honestly, I, I'm not saying whether it is or not. I'm just saying it's OK. <laughs> <laughs> OK. Uh, resist for me. The the theme didn't. And now I, I will start by saying I think resist is a good game. I think resist is a better game than some of the ones at the bottom of my list. But this is a personal list. And for me, between the theme, which I'm very anti like actual real war themes, uh, for whatever reason, it just it just strikes a chord for me. Mm. So between that and the card play just didn't hit for me for whatever reason. I think there was a lot of tension there. And it just for whatever reason, that one did not hit for me, even though I think it's a good game. And I'm actually looking forward to the which version of the game, because I, I'm curious how much of a difference that theme is going to make for my enjoyment of the game. And I do have that. So you can borrow that if you would like to. OK. All right, cool. So number 19, and it is certainly much higher on my list. Yeah. Maybe it's my number one, Peter. You don't know. That is uh, Resist, the solo only card game. My number 19, which I think might be. Actually, you know what? Maybe I'll have this way higher. I have no idea. My number 19 is Marvel Dagger. Dagger. (laughs) So uh, Marvel Dagger, there's a fantasy flight game. I do want to say this was a solid year. Because I don't know about Resist for you, but Marvel Dagger is still like a somewhat enjoyable game for me. Like, this is not a clunker, like, get the heck out of here. Like, every single game on this list is okay. I did play games this year that I thought were way worse and were actually, like, bad for me. But Marvel Dagger is not that. I I think the balance is bad, for me at least. Although, you know, I I didn't mess around with every single difficulty setting. But yeah, just uh, burying the lead a little bit. This is a adventure game set in the Marvel Universe. Um, it's uh, it was compared to like Arkham or Eldritch Horror, like coming beforehand. It has some similarities to that, but basically, you're running around as heroes, kind of crisis management style. You're beating up minions. You're trying to like solve some missions to get the boss to spawn, and then you beat up the boss. And they got different bosses, different like events and stuff. I thought it was fine. I liked how you had the combination of characters. How you could have like different versions of Miles Morales. There was a lot of fun like builds in the characters. But yeah, I just found like the balance a little bit off. The gameplay a little bit repetitive. And the dice so unforgiving, like you, you could roll and get nothing and waste your entire turn, which for me at least is never a fun thing. So 
Marvel Daggers, my number 19. Yeah, and it's my number 18. And I agree with you. I had fun with this game. And this is a game I would definitely play. Like, if somebody's like, let's play Marvel Dagger, I would. Whereas I think Resist is the only game on this list for me where I just probably wouldn't pull it out. And and so for me, the way I ranked them, I ranked them my memories of the game and my willingness and desire to play the games right now. I guess that is like how I decided to do it. Whereas Resist, I wouldn't play. Marvel Dagger, I probably would never suggest, but I would not mind playing it again. Yeah, and I, I I certainly like Resist a lot more, but sure. Like, if Jerry was like, hey, I actually loved Marvel Dagger. Can we play it next weekend? I would be fine with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wouldn't because we'd have to buy it because we don't have it anymore. Oh, well, oh God. I definitely would not buy it again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. That's 18 for me. All right. So my 18, this one, I know, I know you cooled on a little bit, but I still feel like it's going to be way higher on your list. My 18 is Unmatched Adventures. So this is the uh, solo cooperative mode for the unmatched fighting game. I tend to love fighting games, but unmatched has always been a little bit lower for me compared to others. I don't like that system that much. But here's the thing. I like unmatched more than I like unmatched adventures because I do think we talked about this in our review that uh, some of the ways they made the cooperative mode work kind of clunkify and make the what is the cool gameplay in unmatched not quite as good for my opinion. But that being said, it's a nice streamlined system. It is a lot of fun. If you want to wait, if you love Unmatch and you want to play solo co-op, it's still great, but not that great for me. But again, I didn't like Unmatch that much anyway. So it's not that surprising that Unmatched Adventures is my number 18. Yep, that one's on my list as well. Well, of course it's on your list. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. Great to know it's on your list. That's awesome. <laughs> that's why. I, that's why I said it that way. That was totally intentional. Uh, my number seventeen again. This might be our our biggest divergence. Is twenty strong. Mm-hmm. This is a solo game. You have twenty dice. You're getting them. You're giving them away. The core loop is that you are basically trying to survive as long as possible. You have two resources in the game. It's your life and it's the dice pool itself. Each of the games has different ways of using the dice. I just didn't find it that interesting of a solo puzzle. I would play it again, you know, because I I did find it very interesting how they changed it from game to game. I just didn't like the core loop of it. I just didn't find it very interesting for me. I I still think it's a good game. I think a lot of people are going to like it. It just wasn't for me. So that's 20 strong. It is interesting to note we only have two solo-only games on the list, and they are in your bottom three. <laughs> 20 Strong and Resist. Yeah. Everything else is cooperative. I don't, that doesn't mean that you played them cooperative or that like they are a primarily cooperative game for you, all of them. But yeah, no, I think and, that's fair. And that might be part of it. Uh, well, we have Apiary, which... Well, that that's a solo mode. Right. Because right. we have played it competitively recently, and maybe... But I still think... I would play Apiary, obviously, because it's higher on the list. Solo, because I did try to. It's hard to separate things in your own mind, of course. Yep, of course. I did try to separate it as a solo game for Apiary. Um, and I did have it ranked higher than both of those other games. I did enjoy my plays of that more than I did of 20 Strong and Resist. All right. So my number 17 is, uh, I would say, the last game on the list that I found kind of like flawed. or Well, that's not entirely true. But like I had like major problems with it, and that is Hoplomachus Remastered. This is for me, if I, I love chip theory. I'm a big chip theory fanboy. I think people know that. But uh, Hoplomachus Remastered specifically, I for the solo co-op mode, I did not love it. Um, I found one of the two modes, the Titan one, I think poorly balanced. I think kind of boring. 
some of the Titans at least, and also like really swingy in a frustrating way. I did enjoy the Immortals mode, the other like kind of survival mode. I thought that was a lot of fun. But yeah, comparing uh, for a solo or co-op experience, comparing Victorum Remastered, Victorum is head and shoulders higher above for like Absolutely. an experience for me. Um, yep. So Remastered is still good. But if you're getting it specifically for solo co-op, eh, I'd just go get Victorum. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you get it for competitive, Remastered is great. But uh, all my kind of... Uh, pro- now, I, I do think uh, I did a bit of coverage of the Pandora's box expansion that's coming for it. And they seem to have seen some of the issues and are trying to fix them. But that doesn't mean I want to you know, recommend it until I've actually played that final thing. So for now, it's my number 17, Hoplomachus Remastered. Well, and it's a remastered game, right? Why are they fixing it? Like, it should be <laughs> fixed. Like, that's the whole point of remastered, right? Like, that's the weird part there. But we'll get to that when uh, I talk about it. My number 16 is Aeon Trespass Odyssey. Whoa! Whoa! This is an interesting one for me. And again, it's my desire to play it right now that is keeping it this low on the list. I was having fun with it. I enjoyed it. I never really had a bad session of it. So... I think the game is very good, but when I thought about bringing it back out and playing it again, and it was set up on my table for months, and my son kept begging me to play it and asking me to play it, and I kept saying no, and when that's the case, it's got to be this low on my list, right? Like, it's a game I just, like, right now, if you gave it to me, I would never play it again. And I feel like that's with all the four on the bottom of the list. I mean, maybe Marvel Dagger should have been a little higher, but I just think Marvel Dagger is more flawed than these other games. I think these other games are actually good. And so that's why I have Marvel Dagger lower, even though I would play Marvel Dagger before the rest of these games, I guess. But and Trespass Odyssey, I think it's a great game. My memories of it are very good, but the barrier to entry for the game is so high. And the commitment you have to have, the amount you have to play it to get far enough to to really enjoy what you're not. You enjoy it from the beginning, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. just to get it locked in your brain. And then even when it's locked in your brain, like I don't feel like I got into the story at all because I didn't get that far into it because it was such a high barrier to entry to get it to the yeah. table. So, I mean, again, as far as games go, I think it's better than some of the games above it. As far as my desire to play it, it's very low. So that's 16 and Trespass Odyssey. Yeah, and I did not rank my games that way. I did rank them based on like how I feel about the design and like the personal joy I got when I was playing it, even if I don't want to play it much more. It, I, yeah. I'll, I'll be honest, if I was ranking them the same way you are, Aeon Trespass, yeah, would have been like probably down in the same similar space for you uh, where you have it because it is yep. a huge, long game. And we are constantly playing games for coverage. You know, we are making content over and over again. I think it's a very different game for somebody who spent that much money on it. And that's like, you know, kind of like KDM for some people, like they're just going to leave it on a table. That's their Aeon Trespass table. And they're going to play through it for weeks and weeks. I've seen people on the Discord who have done that. It's been like their favorite game of the year. So, yes, I, I can't disagree with anything you said. Well, and Tom Vassell was doing that and he was talking about it on the podcast. And then like he just stopped. Right. Like, I think he got to the same point and he was about as far in as I was. And I, I think it just gets to the point where, like, either I'm all in or I'm all out at this point. And there's like so many new games. I, I think that's the biggest hurdle it has is it may outstay its welcome a little bit unless you're just making this your lifestyle game. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, man. Speaking of huge games. So I just got Agamonia that I want to play. I have all these other huge games that I haven't played yet. And then uh, the uh, the people who made Chronicles of Drunagor 
have an upcoming game called is it called Hades. Hades is a video game. It's called something. And <laughs> oh, it's called, called Dante. Something. Dante, because it's like Dante's uh, Inferno. Um, right. Yeah, so that's really cool. Boss Battler, they're sending me a prototype of that. And they were like, hey, do you want uh, Chronicles of Drudegore 2? And I was like, I'm really fine. I, I don't need it. They were like, oh, no, we'll just, get, we'll just throw it in. It's fine. I was like, I'm, I'm pretty much cool. But I, I did like say no. I should have just said no. <laughs> Isn't that the game I was interested in? Yeah, I think it was. The so, with uh, the yeah. plastic? Yeah, yeah. The, like, the uh, dungeon tiles? The, yep, yep. Yeah, I want to play that. I do want to play that. No, no, I think the game looks cool. But yeah, I, I was like, I wish I had said no. Because then they were like, oh, we're sending it. So now it's coming. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to have room in my house for all this. <laughs> anyway, um, so my number 16 is Noobs in Space. There's a more recent one. It's a kind of like a puzzle game, cooperative, like limited. Well, not really limited communication, limited vision. You can't look at each other's cards trying to solve these puzzles. It, it has like kind of limited shelf life. You can probably play through it like twice before it gets a little bit dull. But it is a blast, and it's a great value for the amount of time you get out of it compared to, like, the unlocks and exits, other games that I also love in this sort of, like, limited replay kind of puzzle-ish genre. I think Noobs in Space is awesome, only because, you know, I'm I'm probably never going to play it again, and games that I can replay over and over again will always rank higher than that kind of game is in my number 16, but I think it's an absolute... Great one. One of the best values on the list if you like these games and then like can trade it on. So yeah, that's my number 16, Noobs in Space. Yeah, that one breaks my rule for desire to play it again. Um, It's higher on my list, but yes, you're... We make our uh, own rules. Who cares? (laughs) I mean, yeah, yeah, no. And we break them apparently as uh, as the game goes on as well. Uh, So my number 15 is Ashes Reborn. Hmm. And I know you like this one better than me. So Ashes is a head-to-head competitive two-player game, uh, but Reborn makes it both solo and co-op. We have a couple of those. Well, I guess Skytier Horde was not originally a competitive game. They're similar in the fact that they were both designed as a, like, trying to feel like a Magic the Gathering type game in a cooperative setting. And I think they both do a pretty good job of doing this. Ashes Reborn's just lower on the list for me. For Terrence, I know it would be very different. And I'll just bring up what he loves is the deck construction and deck building. There's just so many options if you buy in and spend a lot of money on it. For me, it wasn't that interesting. And, you know, the dice system for getting resources and stuff is fine. But I don't know. This one just didn't strike the same chord for me. But I know at, when I went to Kana Heroes last year, which is a Marvel Champions convention, like a couple of the people were just playing this over and over and over. It did not hit the same for me. I thought it was fine. All right. So that's Ashes Are Born. Peter's 15. My number 15. It's funny. I had not played it for a while since we covered it. I literally played it um, this past weekend with my wife. <laughs> and that is so this was kind of a combo when we covered it on the podcast, the adventure book games. But really, I think uh, my favorite is the Lord of the Rings one. I think it's a meteor kind of more uh, gamer experience. But there's also a Princess Bride one. We covered both of them. But yeah, the Lord of the Rings one is the one that I kept, the one that I played with my wife recently. We played through four scenarios in a row. It's light. It's breezy. It's fun. The Lord of the Rings one is definitely more involved. And what's interesting yeah. is I, I asked Vanessa, my wife, after we played the four scenarios, I was like, so what do you think? That that, that kind of hurt our brain a lot more. It was a lot more challenging. Did you like the Princess Bride one better? She certainly likes Princess Bride the movie more than the Lord of the Rings movies. Right. 
But what's interesting is she said no. She liked the Lord of the Rings one better because she was like, yeah, I felt like the Princess Bride one, it was kind of obvious. And that's true, I think. There's some scenarios in the Princess Bride one that basically play themselves. The uh, third one, I think it is, where you're cl- uh, fight, you're like going through the duel and fighting f- uh, Fezzik and like all that stuff. It's basically just a, a by the rails like uh, adventure part there. Yeah, I was thinking number two, where you're climbing up the uh, the. No, the, that, that is number three. That is number three. Number two is the yeah, yeah, yeah. So number th- yeah. number three is the worst. Uh, but yeah, so but they're fun games. Like they're cheap. If you have a Target, I don't know how cheap they are. If you have to buy them like in another country or something, but they're sure. at Target. They're cheap. They're fun. They they tie into the movie. Vanessa wanted to watch Lord of the Rings afterwards. That's never a bad thing. So yeah, so yep, that's uh, great. Not, nothing deep, nothing that's going to hurt your brain too much, but just good fun times. That's my number 15, the adventure book game, specifically the Lord of the Rings one. Yep. And my number 14 is Hoplomachus Remastered. So you already talked about this one, but another head-to-head game originally. I agree one of the modes is completely broken, but the other one is pretty fun. And being able to play Hoplomachus cooperatively makes me happy. Hoplomachus Victorum is a better game in my mind, but it's only solo, really. I mean, you could play it with somebody else, but you're not really like controlling your own characters or your own factions, things like that. I thought the cooperative was done pretty well in Hoplomachus Remastered, again, for the mode that wasn't broken. And I enjoy it. I enjoy Hoplomachus as a game, and I enjoyed the cooperative way of playing it as well. So for me, Hoplomachus Remastered, number 14. Nice. All right. So my number 14 is Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition, focusing on the Crisis expansion, which adds a solo co-op mode to it. I like Ares Expedition in general. It's kind of like a simplified stream down card or even more card focused Terraforming Mars combined a bit with like Race for the Galaxy, like action role selection kind of stuff. And yeah, I think it's great. I think it's fast. I like the Crisis uh, Expedition. It gives you a little like goals you got to complete every turn to try to keep the world from falling apart. So it it forces you to diversify your building a bit in terms of cards, and I just think it's really good. So great expansion, great game in general. You know, Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition, it's not going to beat out the Arc Novas of the world for like my favorite tableau builders, but for a quicker, simpler game that has a lot of good stuff going on and for a great solo co-op expansion, uh, Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition is excellent. My number 14. Well, I'll tell you that the solo mode for uh, Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition, is way better than Ark Nova solo mode. Uh, <laughs> I have I have issues with the way Ark Nova does it, even though the I like Ark Nova one, the official one. As, yeah, yeah. Even though I like Ark Nova better as a game, the Crisis mode, and again, Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition. If we looked at the solo co op in the base box, not the expansion, would have been very different on the list, mm-hmm. and that probably would have been down with Ark Nova. But yeah, no, I I like the new crisis mode and we'll get to that in a little bit for me. My number 13, I thought might be higher because I tend to like this type of game, you know, dungeon crawl, you're you're blowing stuff up, but uh, deep rock galactic for me, just, I I really enjoyed it. And I don't know, maybe this is in the wrong spot. I, I really enjoyed it when I played it, but I really also got tired of it really quickly. I was surprised how quickly the replayability fell off for me. I felt like you were doing the same thing over and over. And while I enjoyed what I was doing every time I played it, uh, it's got some problems at higher player count also. So I would never want to play it with like more than two. So yeah, even though I enjoy it when I play it, I don't have fond memories of it to the point where I want to bring it back to the table. And so, yeah, that's why it's down here for me. Even though I had fun, most of the times I played it, I just, 
I don't know. I feel like you could play it out pretty quickly. So that's my number 13, Deep Rock Galactic. Well, I think that is a travesty because my number 13 is Deep Rock Galactic. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Maybe that'll be the only synergy until we get to the top of the list. Uh, Yeah, agree with everything you said. Uh, it's, It's still fun. I don't have any like major complaints about it, except maybe, like you said, the higher player counts can get a little bit overlong and dull, but it just didn't live in my brain the way I wanted it to do. So it's fine. Uh, should, should I do my number 12, Peter, since that was so Go quick? for it. All right, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll swap order. So uh, my number 12 is the solo mode for Apiary. This is, I've said uh, several times, I think at this point, my favorite Stonemeyer game. I think it's great for competitive. Uh, we just played it a couple weekends ago, Peter, Jerry, and I. Jerry didn't like it that much, but I still had a blast. <laughs> well, he didn't win, did he? No, he didn't win. <laughs> so there you go. Um, <laughs> we should have Jerry on the podcast. We're going to talk so badly about it. But yes, I think uh, there's a, it's a great quick solo mode in the Automa Factory vein. There's a very straightforward, quick to learn Euro, but between the tons of factions, different boards, tons of tiles and combos, there's a lot of fun to be had in it. I certainly tend toward the light like to middleweight euros more than the heavy ones. This is not going to thrill like the Gaia Project fanatics out there, I don't think. It might be a little too simple, but I think it's a great uh, euro and a great solo euro experience. One of the favorite I've had this year. So at number 12, Apiary. My number 12 is Apiary. Whoa, let's go. <laughs> keep it going. Keep it going. <laughs> uh, I don't think our next one will be the same, but yeah. uh, I agree with everything you said. The one thing I really liked about it and appreciate about it with the solo mode specifically is that they give you different options to play. First of all, you have a, many different factions, plus the order of the tiles come out. There's just so much variety from game to game. And I thought the solo mode did a pretty good job of blocking you up and doing things like that. I, I just enjoyed playing it. It was a nice, relaxing game for me, I guess. And I like these kind of Euro games. I actually thought it'd be lower on your list. So I'm glad it's this high for you because, yeah, that's my number 12 as well. I will get, go in and do your, yeah, do your 11. We're, we're back to standard. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. Maybe we tie here, but I don't think so. Uh, my number 11 is Sky Terror Horde. This is a game that I think I'm guessing is going to be much higher on your list. I thought I'd like these card dueling games better as far as like, because I like them competitively, mm. but for whatever reason, it just doesn't do as well for me solo mode. Uh, the thing with Sky Terror Horde is I feel like you can get behind the eight ball because you don't get card draw unless you kill enemies so sometimes i just fall behind it and have a hard time catching up and sometimes i felt like i would roll it but i really do enjoy the system i really enjoyed the variety in the bosses the variety in the enemies i'm curious to see what they do in the future with it mm-hmm. i don't know that i need like the deck building options things like that i know that's what terrence is excited about and looking forward to for me that's not as important and because there's just not as many options because it's just a core set at this point then the, you know there's just not as many options as far as deck building goes but i feel like there's more enemy any wow Enemy variety Uh, than there is an Ashes Reborn that just had one enemy. Here they had different, not only different boss decks, but also different enemies that you could face along the way to get to the boss. So I feel like there was more variety and it felt more different for game to game to me, even if your deck maybe felt more similar. I guess the other reason it felt different to me is you don't go through your entire deck. So that leads to some of the swinginess, but I also feel like it leads to some of the variety for me as well. Whereas I I almost think with Ashes Reborn, there was too much control, which some people like. I like the 
fact that like I might not see my hero this time and how am I going to deal with it without seeing that hero, right? How am I going to deal with it without seeing my favorite cards? I like that in games, whereas I think people who want more control will like Ashes Reborn more. But um, I mean, they're not that similar, uh, but at the same time, I feel like they are similar. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like Sky Tear Horde. That's my number 11. All right. Uh, so my number 11 is Astro Knights. I used to love Aeon's End. I still like it. I just, again, filmed the upcoming set that I can't talk about. <laughs> and Astro Knights is, for me, a slightly simpler, slightly faster Aeon's End. And I was reminded that it is definitely slightly simpler, like playing Aeon's End again, having all the choices with breaches and more stuff to do with your like money and the uh, the power cards the enemies will put out where you usually have to like spend uh, crystals or ether or whatever your money is called to destroy them. I do think Aeon's End is kind of more in-depth and more interesting, but Astronites is just a little bit faster, a little bit quicker, a little bit easier to teach, so I, I don't know. At this point, I, I used to say I like Astronites better having just played Aeon's End again. I'm kind of back in the middle, but either way, neither of them is like a top, top deck builder for me. Neither of them is a top co-op solo deck builder for me. They're good. They are fun. I like them more than the other eight games on the list so far, but they're not in my top 10. Astronauts is fine. <laughs> number 11. <laughs> nice. Uh, my number 10 is Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition. Obviously, like this a little bit better than you do. And this this part of my list is really games that I, I still plan on playing. Actually, maybe Apiary should have been one more above Sky Terror Horde because I probably will play Apiary solo again at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure I'll play Sky Terror Horde when the new stuff comes out. So never mind. Yeah, I think from Apiary on up, these are all games I will probably play again. Terraforming Mars, I definitely will. I really like the crisis mode. I thought it was very clever what they did with it. I liked how there was bad stuff coming out every turn. But so you're kind of focused not only on what you're doing to build yourself up, but you're also kind of having to focus on where are the bad things coming out and what do I have to do to counter that? Yeah, no, I, I really like the crisis mode for terraforming Mars Air's expedition. And uh, yeah, it makes my number 10 spot. My number 10 is maximum apocalypse. It's funny. I didn't realize it, but we have a lot of like remasters and re-implementations on this uh, list. Don't we? Yeah. Um, yeah, maximum- we do. Maximum Apocalypse, great uh, modular, like mix and match adventure game. I used to not love it, but they have continued to iterate on the system. And in this most recent release, uh, we particularly covered Wasted Wilds, but they also like redid the core. They also redid the Gothic Horror set and all of them are standalone. So you can get any of them. Uh, The missions are a little bit more controlled and not super random in the way they go. Uh, the characters continue to be really cool. The enemies are like varied and fun. The different apocalypses that you can uh, face off against. So yeah, a really good time if you want a kind of like beer and pretzels kind of card play fun adventure time. Maximum Apocalypse number ten. Yeah, that's my number nine. Maximum Apocalypse. So right. we're we're starting to get to the point, and it's funny because I find the lighter games are near the top of my list, and the heavier games tend to be near the top of your list. So uh, yeah, this middle is, I guess, the middleweight games. Uh, <laughs> and that's why we're we're going back to back to back on them. Uh, yeah, Maximum Apocalypse for me, uh, I agree with you. I wouldn't ever want to play the earlier versions because it was a lot of like, I could search through every tile and the last one I needed is the last tile that's out there. Whereas they really fixed that with the newer version. It's like, no, go to this place and do this and then do this. Well, I'll say it still happens sometimes. Fixed is maybe a little bit generous. (laughs) 
but it, it's but it's way less prevalent. It's not like every mission every time. You know what I mean? Right. And I I've really enjoyed what I'm doing in that game. Like the card play is clever. I like building up my character. I like how the characters felt different from each other. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed my play of it way more than I thought I would because I remember playing the first one and I didn't seem to enjoy it as much, but I really liked the new one uh, and what it did as far as like, you know, you have the monsters in front of you, you can move around, but they're going to do damage to you. And so you try to get rid of them and people can come over and help you do that. Um, they only activate on your turn. So there's a little bit of that co-opy like, Hey, can you come help take care of this guy before you like, kills me when my turn comes back around again uh, stuff because I don't have anything to deal with it, right? So I really think they did a good job of not only making the gameplay better and more consistent, but also the the co-op nature of it. I really enjoyed this time around. Oh, that's right. That, I was like, you're talking about the game nine. I just named. I forgot that we were so close to each other. Uh, what about yep. nine, number nine, keep the heroes out. Get them out of my dungeon. That is a, a deck builder. Well, though, I mean, is it a deck builder? There is deck building no. in it, but sometimes you win better by ignoring it. I think you always win better by ignoring the deck. Yeah. <laughs> that one. So keep your ears out. Uh, adorable, amazing art. Great meeples in the game. Uh, it's it's a fun kind of defensive romp. And here's the thing. I said this when I this this also ranked pretty highly in my top cooperative video on the channel. I think. Based on what's been previewed, I, I backed the... We got a review copy. By, I should say we got a review copy of almost all of these games. Um, but I uh, backed the expansion for this one, the boss battles expansion, I think. And if that does what it promises to do, I could see this, if I was like re-ranking this list, I could see it being in like my top three or four. Because okay. the only complaints I have about Keep the Heroes Out are that the deck building is not always great and kind of like Peter said, can actually hurt you to do it. And the difficulty is kind of whacked up. And <laughs> if you try to like go anywhere outside the basic difficulty, easy or hard, it like totally falls apart as an experience. Um, so the expansion is supposed to fix the difficulty and it looks good the way they're doing it. Uh, they have like these new easier heroes you can kill and they drop resources. So it's a little bit easier to deck build into what you want to deck build into, which sounds good without like you don't have to spend as much yeah. time. The stuff is just kind of there. And then they have like a cool boss battle at the end to win instead of just like, yay, they're, they're done. We, we made it. So all of that sounds great. We'll see. But either way, the game's still a blast, even with some of the like wrinkles. So made my number nine. Keep the heroes out. Yep. That one's coming up soon for me. My number eight, though, is the adventure book games, Princess Bri Bride and Lord of the Rings. And this might be more nostalgia than good gameplay, because I agree with you. The gameplay was fine. But going through every mission was like, oh, that's when that happened in the book. And oh, that's when that happened. And the gameplay was fine and fun. And I think it's a great family experience. Uh, that's the nice part about it is you could play these games with anybody. As far as gameplay experience, would I want to keep playing them over and over? Probably not. But the stories they tell, the gameplay, like, you know, six months later, I would play it again. I would play through both of these again at this point. You're right. Princess Bride's a little bit simpler, but I love that story so much. And I love that movie so much that like that one did hit a nice chord for me. Um, and, and I really enjoyed Lord of the Rings as well. But uh, and I agree, it's a little bit more gamery. But neither of these games is like, you know, the kind of thing that's going <laughs> to burn your brain too yeah. much. Uh, it, it's a nice, relaxing experience that tells a good story. I do think you probably have to be fans of the movies to enjoy them, because if I was playing through Princess Bride and I'd never seen the movie, I don't know that 
I would know what was going on. That's a good right? point. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I do think you want to be a fans of the IPs, but if you are, I think the adventure book games are really fun and something you could play with anybody. All right. So uh, that's your number eight for my number eight. eight. Yep. This is where Ashes Reborn fell out. It's interesting. So I, I got, they sent me a review copy of the second boss and it did change things up in a pretty fun way. But really the thing is I still have Ashes, even though I haven't played it a lot. And it's because I want to see what else is there. I'm never going to be a deck construction nut like Terrence is. That's just not like where I find my joy with these games. But I do get the sense with Ashes looking just like skimming through the decks of these crazy characters that there's probably like some really neat alternative ways to play the game. And like your deck can work in extremely different ways. I've seen a bit sure. of that, but I've mostly played like the easiest, simplest heroes just because that's where my brain is. So it's still in my collection, which is already saying something. Very few of these games with how quickly I, I call through games are still here. This one is. And actually, you know what? Now that I look at it, all of my top 10 are still in my collection. I guess that <laughs> that's why. Well, no, well, there you go. Except for one, but that's sort of a sheet. So no, I think Ashes is good. Finally, you'll notice I haven't mentioned the other one yet. So clearly I had the same uh, preference as you did between Ashes and uh, Sky Tear. Sky Tear. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's Ashes of Warren. Good game. My number eight. All right. So my number seven is Keep the Heroes Out. And I agree with a lot of what Mike said. I think you were trying to play it as a deck builder and you had less success. Uh, you thought the difficulty was a little hard. I did not play it as a deck builder. I played it as a puzzly, you know, do what you can to survive and really just accomplish the goals of the mission. I think with the difficulty set the way it is that you kind of have to do that. Don't get me wrong. I didn't do zero deck building, but I did a lot less than you would expect in a game that touts itself as a deck builder. Right. But I love how different all the factions were. I love how fun it was to play. I love that puzzle. Like for me, tactical puzzles are a lot of fun. That's why above all these two-player head-to-head games, I love the one you were talking about at the beginning, Summoner Wars, because there's that tactical board play element of it. And Keep the Heroes Out has that for, at least for me, I, I thought it was a very tactical game. You're moving stuff. Sometimes I'm just summoning stuff to like block them up for oh, a second absolutely. until I can deal with it in the future. There was a lot about that game I really liked and the cute nature of it made it so that you could play it. Well, I don't know, <laughs> because it's such a tactical puzzle. Uh, maybe you shouldn't play it with smaller <laughs> kids. As far as gameplay goes, it's certainly simple enough to play with anybody. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I was going to say it's it's one of the reasons it's so high for me is it's one of my eight and 11 year olds favorite games, you know, and they're really excited by it every time we play. Yeah. So, no, I, I think it is. Well, that, that again is nice that they have an easier difficulty setting. It's too easy, but that's good for an right. eight-year-old. We can still win even when they're bouncing around doing nothing they should do. <laughs> right, right. They're building their decks, man. That's what they want to do. That's yep, fine. That's true. All good. That, that's what they do. <laughs> <laughs> All, right, All right. So that was my number seven. Keep the heroes out. My number seven is where I put Skythear Horde. So I had them seven and eight. You can tell that I'm still kind of grappling with how I feel about both of them. But I do enjoy um, this cooperative take on sort of Hard defense and Magic the Gathering-ish play. I'll say uh, Sky Terror is also sort of aspirational, just like with Ashes, I want to try more heroes and see how I feel about it. With Sky Terror, Monoliths is delivering soon, like the new content for it, and I want to... Interestingly, I don't feel like I want to build a deck in, in Ashes very much because it's so complex, but Sky Terror is pretty straightforward and tends to like push yeah. you to stick to certain colors. So I kind of feel like when that comes, I will want to try out some deck construction. 
right away, both great games. I agree with basically everything Peter said, so we can just move on. That was my number seven, uh, Scott Terhorn. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, for me, it was 15 and 11. If you don't remember, they were a little bit more separated for me. But again, I think I just like the genre less than you do. All right, so this might be a little bit controversial for you because we still haven't mentioned some of the games right at the bottom of your list. So maybe I was wrong about uh, <laughs> about how different we were. We're going to have some uh, some some very big differences. Uh, yeah, this one you haven't mentioned yet. And so maybe we'll be close on this one. Uh, number six for me is Sleeping Gods Distant Skies. And I like the Sleeping Gods system. I think it's fun to build up your characters, to level them up, to do fights. It's a game that's still living in my mind, but I do feel like it's because it's the most recent game we reviewed and the most recent game we played. And I just had a lot of fun with it. I wanted to continue with it, but you wanted to continue with, you with it too. I guess that's a good sign for the game because we were kind of fighting over who, who, who got to play it more. But yeah, no, I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed the leveling. If you want to hear more about it, we talked about it, I guess, two weeks ago. But yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed what I was doing there. And I think it was a good re-implementation. I think it was, in my mind, much more fun than the original game. There were some problems with like timing and, and things like that as far as like it was almost too easy. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I enjoyed the kind of calm nature of it and just exploring around i'm usually not into story games but this one hit um much better than most of them do for me so that's my number six sleeping gods distant skies my number six too another uh same same uh yeah i agree with I everything this the first year we've had three i feel like and we're, again we're, we're still, gonna have more i think yeah it's pretty crazy we're uh, predict well not too many more well, yeah, one yeah. maybe two more <laughs> hey, uh peter i totally agree with I will say that I think if we had done this podcast two or three weeks ago, it might have been like in my top three or four. The more I've uh, played it and just kind of thought about it, the more I'm kind of annoyed that they went too far in the other direction. I like that they made the game more streamlined and straightforward, but I think they might have made it too easy. Already Ryan Lockett's released like veteran rules to try to make it harder, but I don't love all of those. So the only reason I'm ranting it's uh, ranks ranking it's X is because, like Peter said, it's living in my brain. I want to play it more. The adventure is so fun. It's very streamlined and like quick to play, more so than the original game. And I know that I, I have ideas of how I can make it a little bit more balanced and just a little bit more tense while still keeping it mostly a little, you know, not too hard. I don't really want this to. This is not the kind of game I want to fail too much at. If that makes sense, right. So yes, uh, it's it's not as high as I once was on it, but still number six. It's a great game. Yes, re- some recency bias, but honestly, I'm hanging on to it. I want to play through the entire thing with my family. So there it is. It, when you're done, I'd love to play it more too. Yeah, Sorry. I, I, I won't sell it without telling you. Uh, <laughs> so that's uh, Sleeping God's Distant Skies. Both of our number sixes. What's your number five, Peter? Astronauts. I really liked what, Aeon's End. Uh, and for me, this is a distillation of the system in a good way. The way I enjoyed uh, distillations going, things that make it easier to set up the game, easier to play the game, things that lead to more variety within each individual game because the cards are no longer just stacks of 10 cards you now have you're now like flipping through uh and getting you know seeing new things so you're not seeing the same weapons over and over yes it leads to a little bit harder to make synergies uh within that system but i enjoyed the system i love the boss battling i i think it's 
very creative, how they make each boss different. But here, I liked how they leveled up the bosses. I liked how the characters felt different. And, you know, the market is done differently. Everything for me was an upgrade over regular Aeon's End. Now, maybe if I went back and played them both back to back, I'd feel a little bit differently. Maybe there are some parts I'd realize that I like better about regular Aeon's End. I guess the one thing was the opening the breaches and stuff like that. I did enjoy that part of the puzzle but i I don't know there's so much other cool stuff going on that it didn't bother me that it wasn't there i guess i i still like the rest of the puzzle even without that even though i wouldn't mind it if they brought it back in um in like later expansions or whatever all right so astronauts number five for peter my number five is this is where i put resist but (laughs) i will say that this is sort of an honorary placement of witchcraft I said that every oh, game okay. in my top 10 is in my collection, which is pretty surprising. Usually that is not the case that I hold on to games that much. But Witchcraft, I kept and Resist, I got rid of. They're pretty much the same system, but I just like the fantasy kind of like good witches protecting a town theme better. There's more variety in Witchcraft because you mix and match all these different enemies. So you can have like a totally different enemy deck one game to another. But either way, I love this system, this quick solo kind of like really tense card play system. We're using characters for weaker or stronger effects, but the stronger effects call them out of your deck. It's basically a reverse deck builder. You're trying to survive as long as you can while like weakening your deck. I find that very interesting. So yeah, it was my number five. I also like solo only games more than Peter, though, so that might play a role a little bit. So that's uh, resist yeah. slash witchcraft, cheating witchcraft in there for my number five. Well, and I haven't played witchcraft. If if witchcraft was here. I could see it moving up to like my number 15 or so. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't think yeah, it'd be I was in the top. Say, let's not go crazy here. It's not going super. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it'd be in the top half, but I certainly enjoy the themes of like witches fighting off werewolves and vampires. And so like that in and of itself already gets me excited to play. It. And look for a system I didn't love to want to play it. I mean, says something like that's how much I do think the theme hurt it for me. All right, but my number four is Unmatched Adventures. Oh man. <laughs> I know you don't like the system, but I don't know. I really enjoy the game, and I've enjoyed it. I don't know that it's great at lower player counts. I actually think three might be the ideal number for it, and I had fun playing it at four players as well. Uh, the downtime doesn't bother me. Yeah, I mean, I do like the Unmatched system more than you. I hear all your complaints about it, but... I don't know. I just have fun playing it every time I play it. And also, I look forward to what they're going to do with this in the future. And you want to talk about unlimited content. Like, you can use any hero in the game, like, to play. So there's just so many different ways to play it. And I also think uh, solo wouldn't be a bad way to do it. I haven't even experimented with the difficulty settings. Uh, I would love to play with those cards. I think we played with it a little bit. But yeah, no, some of those cards I think would make the puzzle even more fun for me. I don't know. I, I really like this one. I, I like how quick and simple. Again, it's tactical, right? So anything with board play, tactics, moving around. I don't think there's as much in there as I'd like because there's just so few miniatures on the board. But I do still think you can make clever plays from that time to time. And that part makes me excited. So, yeah, Unmatched Adventures, my number four. Although I think it won like Dice Tower Game of the Year or whatever. So, like, who knows? I'm not as high on it as they are. But I I do enjoy the system and I do enjoy the adventure. How they made it cooperative, I thought was very good. All right. My number four is is where Aeon Trespass Odyssey fell. But again, more for my appreciation for the system. I think it's a really compelling narrative they're telling. 
I think the boat exploration and like the tech tree upgrading, even though it can be a lot to manage, it's fun. And the boss battles are great. They're very inspired by KDM, but honestly, I like almost every change they made more than KDM. I don't know if you'd agree with that, Peter, but I, I think like all this stuff, like how you get stronger as the fight goes, instead of KDM where like you get mauled as the fight goes and blinded. Yes. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I just like, and, and I like the theme of uh, Aeon Trespass Odyssey, sort of like this, uh, I, I like Greek mythology and then mixing that with uh, kind of like a technological flair is fun. So yeah, very fun game. I, I don't disagree with Peter. I don't know if I'll ever actually play it again, <laughs> but for now right. it exists. Like we haven't gotten rid of it yet. I don't even know how I would. It's too big. That's my uh, number right. four, Aeon <laughs> Trespass Odyssey. <laughs> yeah, I did. You know, it, it's very low on my list because again, I don't think I'll play it. But you're right. Everything you said is right. And I enjoyed KDM too, but I don't think I'll play that game ever again, right? <laughs> yeah, no, and I do agree. I think it's an upgrade in every way for me over KDM. It's just, yeah, it's such a beast to get to the table. I don't know that. Yeah, yeah I mean, you'll see it in my top games. They're all much simpler and even unmatched adventures. Astronauts too. Yeah, so Sleeping Gods, Keep the Heroes Out adventure book game right like maximum apocalypse nothing's complicated about any of these games yeah so you look at the top of my list and that's why and speaking of not complicated and easy to get to and fun and you might be right about this i probably should have had it lower on my list just because there's no way you're playing it again anytime soon but uh noobs in space is my number three and this is maybe more aspirational like you've said for other things i'm hoping they come out with more of these systems similar to unlock in games like that so i kind of ranked it the way i would an unlock game whereas is a core system i really love it i do think i could probably play it again pretty soon because i mean gosh i don't even remember half the games we played four or five times i think you're right so uh, (laughs) (laughs) i i think i could easily get this one back to the table i probably remember some of the puzzles and probably the harder ones which is like the unfortunate part of it, because like the ones that give you the most trouble are the ones you're most likely to remember. But even without that, even because we didn't really struggle with any of the puzzles. I don't know that they were that hard, but just playing the game was so much fun. I, I don't know. I'm really enjoying these puzzly type games. That was uh, last year. What was the one with the tile flipping that was kind of like a uh, Wheel of Fortune or whatever, where you're flipping down <laughs> tiles to solve these oh, oh, word uh, puzzles? Yeah, yeah. Uh... Right. Yeah, I'll look it up. Keep keep talking. Keep talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But these kind of games are really like I'm really enjoying these like puzzly games. Like, and I don't mind the fact that you know they don't pretend to have much of a theme to them. You know, I, I'm just enjoying the puzzle themselves. So you know, unlock. That's my favorite of those. And I think unlock does a good job of not only having puzzles but having a decent story in there as well. Uh, Noobs in space doesn't have that story. But I don't mind it at all. And again, same with that word one from last year. The initiative. The initiative. Yeah. I mean, I just I'm having fun. They're the kind of games that you just want to binge, right? You get it. And we don't do this often where we play through a whole campaign in two sittings, you know, and, you know, it wasn't like it was like five minutes, you know, it was a couple hours of gameplay each setting. So, yeah, no, this one lives in my mind a lot still. This is one I definitely would want to play again, Um, you know, after, you know, the memories of the puzzles kind of left. So I don't remember exactly what the solutions were. But again, I don't even know that that matters. I just had fun doing the, the puzzles. Whether they were hard or not didn't matter to me. So that's Noobs in Space, my number three. All right, Peter, I got a curveball for you. Something you said made me think of a game, and I was like, why is it this game on this list? 
we definitely talked about this game and covered it, didn't we? And then I looked and I saw that only Jason had done a podcast, but if it was done on the podcast, it is eligible, I say. I okay. want you to look at your list and pick a spot for the deck building game Genshin Tarot. Ooh. Where would you All rank? Right. I'm, I'm going to do it too real quick while, while you think about it. I'll get to an even 20 before we get to our number one, number two, which I'm pretty sure the exact same game at the exact same rank. <laughs> but we'll get to those in a second. <laughs> so Okay. So I, I, I told you I, I thought maybe one and two would be the same. Yeah. So that, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, Genshin Tarot. But why don't you tell us about your number three while I think about that? Oh, shoot. I did, you're right. I'm sorry. I didn't do my number three yet. My number three is this is where 20 Strong fell. I, I definitely enjoyed it way more than Peter, clearly. Uh, like Peter, I love the variety in the sets, and I'm very excited for the fact that they're continuing and doing more. But I thought the uh, the dice puzzle was a ton of fun. I do think that the way you level up your statistics is kind of samey because you want to get your recover stat that gets you back your dice more quickly, consistently. But everything else I think is awesome. You get a lot of different like items every game and character abilities every game and figuring out the combos of how to use this to do that, to do that, to do that, to do that, to kill three guys at once. I find to be a blast. It reminds me a lot of my favorite things of One Deck Dungeon, which is another game I enjoy that I find very similar to uh, whatever game I just said. Uh, <laughs> 20 Strong. So yeah, I think this one is great. By the way, Peter, we never, we never did a Kinfire Delve podcast yet, did we? We did not. Okay. I have not played that one. So that might be our first one of next year. Oh, yeah. I thought you um, did play it and you said you liked it. I played I played it once. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. We'll, I still we'll, played it once. Yeah. We have some <laughs> really good upcoming games that Peter hasn't played yet. But before we get to now, one and two, Genshin Terror, where are you thinking, Peter? For me, it's probably going to fall at 13. 13. Okay. So right above Deep Rock, right after Apiary. All right. Hold on. I'm going to put that down on my list. So which, which makes it so Deep Rock is no longer a match for us. That's the I only negative. No, you're right. That's fine. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> All right. And I, well, why do you talk about why you put it there from what you remember of the game? I thought it was really good cooperative. I, I really had fun with it. I, I think part of it is it, it doesn't live in my mind as much as some of these other games. So, you know, Apiary, and maybe just because we played it recently, I really enjoyed it. I have, I'm the one who kept, Genshin Tarot. It's in my house. My daughter hasn't really wanted to play it, and she's a big wait, Genshin wait, no, Impact no, no. fan. I, I want it back. That's not... that. I didn't agree to that. I, I said I wanted you to let your daughter play it, but I do want that game back. <laughs> you can have it back. You can have it back. Obviously, it's, you know, down at 13 for me, so it's not, you know, at the top half of my list. Yeah, I, I mean, I enjoyed what I was doing playing it. I think it has really good, strong co-op play. I think it's really difficult, if I remember. I don't think we beat yes. it. Yes. Especially with I don't the know later that I, bosses. Yeah, I don't even know that I beat the first boss in the game. And I don't have as much uh, love for the IP. My daughter certainly does. And even that, even her, I don't think she's really played the game since we've gotten Genshin Taro. So, um, but yeah, I think it falls in line with some of these other ones, like these card play games, like, like uh, where are they? Do, do, do. So kind of right below it, Ashes Reborn and uh, Sky Terror Horde. Sky Terror Horde ranks a little bit above it for me. Ashes Reborn ranks a little bit below it, but it's actually, ironically, right in the middle of those two. Yeah. And I think it falls in line with those as far as card play goes. So that is number 13, where I'd put Genshin Tarot. Cool. And funny you mentioned Sky Terror and Ashes, because for me, I just put it at number seven, directly above both Sky Terror and Ashes. So I, okay. yeah, I, I think it, it reminds me a lot in some ways of one of my other favorite deck builders that 
breaks a lot of the deck building rules and that's battle for Greyport. I think this is similar in that the deck building is very unique. It is not because how it works in Genshin Tarot is like basically you're just upgrading cards in your deck. You're not really adding new cards. You're not getting cards from an offer. It's just the cards you already have. You're making better. But I yep. love the tactical decision making in this one. Yes, it's a little too hard. Yes, it can be a little random which people you get. And like sometimes I'll just have to switch out a character because it's not like working as well for co-op. But besides those kind of like minor complaints, I think this game is beautiful. So yeah, so I'm, I'm glad I remembered it because <laughs> it should be on here. And that gets us to an even 20. So that's my number seven. One and two. Peter, you want you want to shout number two at the same time? Y- you're number two? Okay. So one, two, three, Sky, Sky team. team. And our number yeah. one was... Tales from okay. the Red Dragon Inn. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. That's it. All right, so let's, uh, let's start with Sky Team. Why, why don't you uh, get into it first, Peter? All right, Sky Team, super fun. Another one, by the way, available on Board Game Arena. So if you haven't played it, definitely go check it out over there. I don't know if these games are free or not. Some of them are premium. Maybe you have to pay like two bucks a month or whatever, but I don't know. Well worth it. Uh, Sky Team is a two-player only co-op where you're basically rolling four dice and you're placing them. Two of the spots you have to place in every turn control the like pitch of your plane, whether you're going to turn one way or the other, and your speed. So those two you have to do, but the other two you can kind of place on anywhere you want on your side of the board, uh, including things like just getting uh, coffee to help you like mitigate your luck on other dice. Yeah, it is just super fun. The different airports are super fun. It is a game that I think can be frustrating at times. I know when I was first learning to play it, I got a little frustrated like with my son who was doing things differently. But then I realized it's not like he was doing it wrong or I was doing it wrong. We're just doing it differently. Um, And that's one of the cool things. I think like the mind and games like that, you know, because it's that limited communication, you just have to figure each other out. And okay, you, you think this is more important or whatever else, you know, okay, maybe next time let's, let's place these dice earlier you know, for this specific part of the mission. And that's the nicer part about this, I guess, than even the mind, which by the way, the mind's still one of my top games of all time. But one of the nice parts about this one is you can talk about, okay, before we roll the dice, let's talk about, all right, speed is really important this time. Let's make sure we get zero speed. So maybe increase the brakes or whatever. So that way we can make it easier for us to get our speed up. So, or, or keep our speed down or whatever. I don't know. There's a lot of cool things to like about this. The challenges are different. I think they did a really good job creating unique puzzles and with with minor changes to the game, you're still only using four dice every time you play. So really a, a genius game, in my opinion. Sky Team, one that's probably going to be near the top of the list for a very long time for all-time co-ops for me. Yeah, like Peter, you know, P- Peter said that I like the big games and he likes the simpler games. I don't know if that's always true <laughs> since 20 Strong is a tiny game. But yeah, Sky Team is a beautifully elegant game. Small box, small table presence. I taught it to my eight-year-old, my 11-year-old, my wife. I played it with Jerry. I played it with Peter, more gamerly gamers. I've never had a bad game of it. I love it. <laughs> it's just yeah. so much fun. It's the kind of thing that's going to stay in my collection for, for years to come. Like, why would I ever get rid of it? Why would I ever get rid of Sky Team? I could just plop it down at any time. And, and there's also uh, a few different unofficial solo modes on BGG. I did, uh, I did a playthrough on for Patreon of one of them that were great. I don't think you need to. I mean, well, if you don't have anybody to play with, do that. But I just, <laughs> I love playing a co-op most of all. 
But yeah, it's just, it's a beautiful like little system. It's not that complicated. It could be really tense when you're at the highest difficulty settings. Holy crap, it's yes. tense. But it's it's just it's just a fun, chill time. And like the theme, the, the way that they presented the board is just it brings the theme to life in a fun way. And and it's and it's clean. Yeah. And and you can like put the whole board away, basically set up and just pull it out again and play it again in five seconds. I, I don't know. It's a great game. Like even uh even though Peter and I both have the same number one, I think this is maybe the bigger recommend for me. Out of any yes, game of this year, absolutely. buy Sky yep. Team if you have at least one other person to play with. Tales from the Red Dragon, it is awesome, but it's huge. It's hard to organize. Like, you know, it's, it's a big dungeon crawler campaign game. Sky Team, anybody should be able to enjoy this, I think. So that's so it's almost my game of the year, like, for that. But yeah, yeah. Tales Let me ask the- you this, oh, though. Yeah, go ahead. Well, hold on. Before you get to Tales from Red Dragon in, is Sky Team a top 10 co-op for you of all time? Like, specifically for co-op? For co-op, yeah. I mean, let me wait a year or two after it's come out, but probably. I, I guess like if you were to make a list today. I mean, but how crazy is that? Like I know. Two games from this year are probably I don't remember a year where like usually the top game I'm really passionate about and the top three I think are good. But these two games, I think I mean, I don't want to say top five co-ops, but like they're close. No, like, I, they're I, I would agree. Like really I, good. I enjoy you know, my number three was 20 strong. I enjoy 20 strong a lot. I enjoy Aeon Trespass Odyssey. I think it's a great game. The gap for me between everything else on the list and Sky Team and Tales from the Red Dragon Inn is pretty large. Like, yeah, both of these are like top of all time games, probably. Yeah. Whereas 20 strong Aeon Trespass, like, hey, cool games. Would they make it in my top 20 of all time? No, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, what, what yeah. was your number three, Peter? Noobs in space. Yeah, I don't think that's making it into your top 20 games of all time, right? No, not of all time. But again, I mean, it could, you know, like the Unlock series probably would be in my top 10 of all time. Sure. But only if Noobs in space, if they keep on going with it, if right. it's only a one-off. Well, if it's a one-off, no way. Like, Yeah, it, it would, I mean, it would fall way on this list if, if it stays as a one-off. Even though I would highly recommend it for new players as well, similar to Sky Team. I mean, Sky Team first, of course. Yeah. Anyway, so why don't you talk about red Dra- tales from the red dragon Inn. so tales from the red dragon Inn. what the heck you got uh you got slugfest games they make the red dragon Inn a like beer and pretzels take that silly drinking card game then you know it's like uh, I, I never even played it until recently it is fun i finally played it but you know it's still like a silly little competitive game then they make battle for Greyport. it has like a little bit of hiccups coming out they get the difficulty kind of wrong the first time but once they get it right one of the best i think cooperative uh deck builders out there I, I think it's fantastic. And now they have Tales from the Red Dragon Inn, maybe my favorite dungeon crawler of all time. A lot of that is that I play with my 8 and 11-year-old. We play through almost the entire campaign. But even if you take that away, awesome characters, great variety in what the characters can do. Something that I have, I didn't realize I needed until I played games like Tales from the Red Dragon Inn and then went back to other games. Cool actions every turn. Like Gloomhaven yeah. kind of has this when you get into like the actions that take themselves out of your deck or when you level up a ton. Osworn has this pretty well. This new game uh, from what I played so far, Dante, that seems to have it decently well. Tales from the Red Dragon Inn, basically everything you do every turn, even the basic actions on your board are really friggin' cool. They're throwing yes. people into things. They're like hurling them into fire. They're They're trapping them. They're applying things to them. They're setting up a combo with your other player. Dynamic combat. Yes. Why would I why would I ever want to play another dungeon crawler where I can move three spaces and roll a die 
and okay, I hit, you know, like I'm talking about D&D, like at its most basic level, if you take away all the fun stuff and like do like 2d4 damage. I mean, I will say Agamonia has a very basic system, but it's a, it's a story game and the combat gets out of the way in like five seconds. It's not about combat. But for these games that are focused on combat, yeah, Tales from the Red Dragon in the tactical combat, fun storyline, awesome scenario variety in terms of like cool tactical picture changing things every game, different terrain, different like setups. It's a blast. And again, like maybe my favorite dungeon crawler of all time at this point. Yeah, no, I think it definitely is. And it's simple too. Like that's the best part about it, right? There's nothing complex about what you're doing on your turn, your gameplay, your your actions you're taking, but they do cool board effects. And that's exactly what we're trying to design with spare parts. And I think we did a really good job designing that way with spare parts. And you might not know what that game is because it hasn't come out yet, but it's a it's a game that we're working on right now. And it does all of the stuff that we're looking to do with spare parts as far as, you know, dynamic combat, things like that. That is my favorite part about the game is just how much stuff happens on the board. And I just think it does a great job of doing it better than any game out there and trust or not and trust pass. Uh, Osworn, I think does a really good job and comes close and it's more like tactically satisfying. I think the card play is more satisfying from that one. But the board play is more interesting, uh, at least for me, from Tales from the Red Dragon Inn. I just really enjoyed that tactical puzzle it has. Um, And as you've heard many times from me today, that is one of my favorite things in games. So just love tactical puzzles, love that board play. Tales from the Red Dragon Inn, just a great, great game. All right, Peter, I'm going to hit you with some statistics about our list, and then we're going to determine our top 20 combined between the two of us. We have some ties we got to figure out. I, I I got number one and two, Mike. Oh yeah, yeah I got yeah, him. Yeah, I know. Uh, so <laughs> with with the the shakeup of Genshin Taro being added, we now have four that we were dead on together. On uh, number one, Tales from the Dragon Inn. Number two, Sky Team. Number six, Sleeping Gods. And uh, it pushed. This one became a dead on match. Deep Rock Galactic is now both of our number fourteens with Genshin. An apiary or same at twelve. No, because you put uh, Genshin at 13 and messed that up. No, no, no. Apiary is my number 12. Right. But I put Genshin higher, so it pushed Apiary down to 13. So I'm not the one who messed it up. Yes, You're you're the one who messed it up. (laughs) I like Genshin too much. All right. And then um, we had three games that were tied for the biggest difference. Do you have a guess of what they are, Peter? Noobs in Space, Unmatched Adventures, 20 Strong, and Resist. Yeah, so Noobs in Space is slightly better. That is a 14 difference in match in rankings. Again, Genshin messed things up. But yeah, Resist, Unmatched, and 20 Strong are all 15 apart. <laughs> so that's pretty yeah. wide. All right, let's do our top 20 of the year official combined list. Here we go, Peter. I'm going to have you decide all the ties, okay? Because people already have my opinions on games on the uh, videos a lot. Sure. All right, so. Uh, number 20, Marvel Dagger, far and away. My number 20, Peter's yep. number 19. That's not even a yep. question. Number yep. 19, uh, Hoplomachus Remastered. My 18, Peter's 15. That one is also easy. Okay, yep. uh, number 18, Deep Rock Galactic. Interestingly, it's our four, both of our 14. We tied for 14, but because we were so split and all the other games above it, it is all yeah. the way back at number 18. All right, here's our first tie, Peter. This is a four-way tie. Okay, so you get to decide. Oh, my gosh. Resist, Ashes Reborn, Terraforming Mars, Apiary. You tell me, what's the bottom of that? We'll do... 
I mean, you like to resist. What number was it for you? It was number five for me. The highest of any of these four. <laughs> All right. So we'll make that the second highest. Okay. So that's, that'll be 17, 16, 15. So that'll be 15. And then we got ashes. Terraforming Mars. Mars. I mean, it was number 10 for me. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So we'll put that one down. That one will be the bottom one. Bottom as in Ter- 17. 17. Yeah, okay. yeah. Terraforming Mars Aries Expedition. We got 16 so then and we got 14 for Ashes and Apiary. Ashes and what? Apiary. Apiary, I feel like we both kind of like. I agree. So, um, so we'll put that one the highest. Okay, that's 14 and then, and then Ashes 16. All right, so. Ashes 16. Yeah. I'll go back and read the entire list at the end. All right. So that took us 17 through 14. Uh, adventure book games, 13. Unmatched Adventures, 12, just like the Dice Tower. Equal ranking there. <laughs> All right, 11 we, and 10, we got a tie. 20 strong, Aeon Trespass. Very similar weights of game. Very similar price point. <laughs> I'm going to put Aeon Trespass above. Higher. What, what was the other one? 20 strong. Yeah, I know you had 20 strong real high, but I do feel like I put Aeon Trespass almost a little too low. Yeah, yeah no, I, so, I think that's fair. So, so 10, because uh, of that, yeah. 20 strong, play. 11, Aeon Trespass, 10. All right, then we got a three-way tie. Even though <laughs> we will never play Aeon Trespass and we probably will play 20 We will strong, absolutely yeah. play 20 strong, yeah. <laughs> um, and also somebody could buy 20 strong in a few months for like probably 20 bucks and Aeon Trespass is 400 bucks. <laughs> yeah, but yes. Leave it inside. But, All right, uh, next three-way tie. Noobs in Space, Genshin Tarot, Maximum Apocalypse. We were closest on Maximum Apocalypse, furthest on Noobs in Space. Noobs in Space, you admitted yourself you ranked too high based on your own criteria. <laughs> uh, I'm still putting Maximum Apocalypse below it. Okay, so that's I, I, I don't think in any good conscience I can put Maximum Apocalypse above Noobs in Space. Then we'll put Noobs in Space second. And then, and then Genshin number seven? Genshin, yeah. because yeah, I, I, I mean, because it came in so late, Maybe it would have been higher on my list. You might be right. I might like it better than Sky Terror Horde. I'd have to play it again. All right, well, speaking of Sky Terror Horde, the number six, uh, last tie, Peter, Astronites or Keep the Heroes Out? Uh, keep the Heroes Out. Is higher? Yeah, yeah, it's better. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I thought, too. Even, I, I, even, I think- even, even though I have it different personally, but that's a personal opinion. I think as far as everybody liking it, I think it would go the opposite. Well, also, I, I don't know about you, but I am more excited for the new Keep the Heroes Out stuff than I am for the next Astronaut set, if that makes sense. I haven't even played the newest Astronauts. I only <laughs> played the yeah, original set. All right, so here we go. Official list. 20, Marvel Dagger. 19, Hoffler Remastered. 18, Deep Rock Galactic. 17, Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition with the Crisis Expansion. 16, Ashes Reborn. 15, Resist slash Witchcraft. 14, Apiary. 13, Adventure Book Game, focusing on Lord of the Rings is a better one. 12, Unmatched Adventures. 11, 20 strong. Getting to our top 10 of the year for us, not counting Jason. He's one tough co-op shop too, but he's not on this list. Um, 10 is Aeon Trespass Odyssey. 9, Maximum Apocalypse. 8, Noobs in Space. 7, Genshin Taro. 6, Sky Terror Horde. 5, Astronites. 4, Keep the Heroes Out. Three. Do you know what number three is, Peter? It's kind of the random one. Um, Sleeping Gods. That's right. <laughs> this could be birthday yeah, yeah. at six. Three, Sleeping Gods, Distant Skies. Two, Sky Team. And undisputed number one for at least both of us, Tales from the Red Dragon Inn. All right. That's I'm actually pretty happy with that list. I think that is probably more of a for everybody list. 
than either of our, either of ours, I feel like are more personal. I do feel like that's a good, like, I'm pretty proud of that top 10. Yeah, no, I think it's good. Although again, I would, I'd recommend like many games in the top, like six or seven of those before Tales from the Red Dragon and for like the average person, just cause it's harder yes. to get to the table. Like Sky Team, well, Sleeping Gods is also a little bit much, but Sky Team, Keep the Heroes Out, Astro Knight, Sky Terror Horde, Genshin Tarot, somewhat, Noobs in Space. I think all of those are like pretty easy to recommend for the average person. They can all probably have a good time with those. If you like dungeon crawls at all, oh, I can't yeah. imagine people not liking Tales from the Red Dragon Inn. Like for me, I agree with you. It is my number one dungeon crawl, I'm pretty sure. And like I was kind of debating between that one and and Osworn because they're both pretty high for me, but I do think I'd rather play Tales from Red Dragon in in most situations. Yeah, I, I know I would, but I love Osworn. It's just, I mean, yeah. Tales I can play with my whole family and that elevates it quite a bit for me. All right, Peter, did you have yeah. any? I know you like to do your uh, little statistics and then we can kind of end with some words about 2023 overall. Yeah, so 2023, we'll talk about the podcast a little. Let's see, is this? Yeah, I, oops. Oh, hold on. Oops, Peter deleted the podcast, everybody. It, I, this is the final year is of What's Up Kamocha podcast. <laughs> yes, not so much. Um, so we did for the first time in our career of One Stop Co-op Shop, the podcast, actually go down on downloads this year. So 2022, we had 271,000 downloads. Last year, we had 207,000. But part of that is we went from two days a week to one day a week. Wait, so no, to an, an episode every week to an episode every other week. It's what you meant. <laughs> no, 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 because no, Jason still doing his. He used to do Wednesdays and... Oh my God, I forgot we used to have... Two a week. Holy Yeah, we God. used to have two episodes a week. And I believe that was true the end of 2020 or 2021 as well. Yeah. So 2021 was actually higher than this year. So we've actually gone down on downloads this year. 200,000. Oh, I mean, all three were over 200,000 downloads. So it's not like it's, you know, <laughs> not like it's five downloads or whatever. Um, and it's still way up over 2020. Which is interesting because I think with a lot of people being at home with COVID and stuff, 2020 would have been a uh, a year for people to listen. And actually, we did have a big jump from 2019 to 2020. We had a 50,000 download jump. And then we had a 70,000 download jump from 2020 to 2021. So it'll be interesting to see where 2024 comes out. 2023, another big thing for the podcast is we were uh, nominated and runner-up or one of the runner-ups for the uh, Board Game Geek Awards. To be fair, this is the first year where we had only one entry <laughs> on the Board Game Geek page. I don't know if you remember that, but last year there were two entries. Right, we have or, like or co-opcast too still was listed, right? Also, And co-opcast was there at one point. Yeah, yeah. So like this is the first year we're ever nominated and this is the first year we made it in uh, as a runner-up. Yeah, along with the awesome Liz Davidson Beyond Solitaire podcast. Definitely worth listening to. So, I mean, I feel like the co-op, uh, solo co-op sphere um, has done really well. I'm not going to go through top tracks because I think you oh know it's always going to be like Game of the Year tracks. Sure, a lot of them were for 2022, interestingly enough. Wait, that can't be right. I, I think there's something wrong with this <laughs> because top 17 games we covered, like episode... 370, 368, 372. That might just be for this year or something, even though I've said it's all time. 
unless just this year's episodes were that much more popular. Oh, yeah, man, we just then episodes we rocked it. But, <laughs> yeah, they're all in the three seventies, three eighties, like three ninety nine. Yeah, that's really weird that a lot of these episodes were recent. So I'm guessing that was just in the past year. Even though, yeah, I don't know. So I think something. I think something's wrong with that. Uh, oh, we're aware of some discrepancies in your insights. Thanks for your patience as we work through this. All right. So, yeah. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I, I, yeah. I was like, there's no way because, you know, those only have like 5,000, 6,000 right. downloads. And I know we had some that were like way like Gloomhaven and stuff or way more than that. Yeah. So I was going to get to top countries, but this thing's giving me a pain. But let's see. Top cities. We got Hamburg. Hmm. We got... I don't even know that I, and again, I don't think this is all time because again, this, this must be just the past year or whatever. I don't even know how to pronounce this country. So I apologize, but thank you. Uh, it's B-R-A-I-N-E dash L apostrophe A-L-L-E-U-D. It is a municipality in Belgium. Okay. So yeah, right. well, bring it Belgium. <laughs> absolutely. And then Melbourne is the third top city. And again, I don't know how this could be right because um, none of them are in the US, <laughs> which seems weird. But <laughs> hey, top international cities, maybe. Yeah, so I, I just feel like the insights are messed up in SoundCloud right now. But those are, at least for now, those are the ones we're giving a shout out to and we appreciate it. So thank you, Hamburg, the Belgian municipality. Uh, that word? Perfect. You, perfect. Now, you got it. You nailed it, buddy. Good job. <laughs> and Melbourne. So uh, <laughs> thanks to those three uh, cities. We appreciate it. And thanks to all our listeners in the US, Germany, and the UK. Although, again, I'm not sure that all these are exactly right. Sure. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So, so to wrap things up, I did want to like kind of just talk about how this year went. Big year in a ton of ways. Just talking about us. I mean, clearly big year in like the world sense. But uh, so first, uh, Peter and I are publishing our first game, uh, Flame and yes. Fang. And I, I think we've sent the files in, right? Like we're like literally moving. Yeah. So basically we are waiting for the, so we've gotten the, yeah, the, what's called the white copy, which is basically they send the components just to make sure you're happy with the quality of stuff. Uh, we got the final print pages of like what all the cards are going to look like just to make sure the color is right, everything else. So yeah, we are basically to the point where we have to just hit the print button. Once we figure out the date on that, we are going to open our game found pledge manager. Uh, and go from there. Uh, it will be from what we're talking about now, we are actually probably going to let more people come in at that point mm. and buy it. So if you missed out on the Kickstarter, you probably will have about a month or so before the printing is done, you know, depending on how far back we are in the queue to get in and get Flame and Fang. So if you miss it the first time, we're probably going to have availability for you to get in this time. But it's also Pledge Manager to get everybody's address and stuff like that as well. So uh, yeah, super excited about that. Uh, our first foray into publishing. We're working fast and furiously on our next title that we will doing all by ourselves. So pretty excited about that as well. And yeah, so it was a big year for that. Yeah, for MVP board games. And you mentioned earlier, and this is maybe an exclusive. I don't know if we mentioned this before, how um, the new game you got has like audio tracks or whatever that you could download and play. Our plan is to have all the story up on One Stop Co-op Shop webs, or I'm sorry, MVP board games website 
for you to kind of flip through the books there. And right now we have not professional audio. Maybe we'll never have professional audio for it, but we do have audio up of <laughs> uh, our friend Jerry reading, you know, through the tracks at this point as well. So that will, there will be an audio component to it. There will be all that will be available online. So if you don't want to bring out the story cards or whatever else, or if you'd rather like everybody have access to it, so it's not like hand me the cards or whatever, everybody can pull it up on their phone and uh, kind of go through it together. Awesome. Or stream it up on a screen, which I know you and I like to do when we oh, do absolutely. Uh, <laughs> games like this. So yeah, so that way everybody can see the story cards. Um, and it's got cool, like Jerry did really good with the like, page turning sound effects and stuff like that as well. So it's pretty fun what we've got up there. And uh, that should be coming out when the game comes out as well. Again, something we never promised as part of the Kickstarter campaign, but just extra bonuses. We Anything we can do to make your experience better, we're, th- that's the goal with the publishing company. Um, I rather under promise and over deliver than um than the opposite where a lot of these campaigns you know they look exciting they're flashy but then you get it and you're disappointed with the product we don't want anybody who gets the game to be disappointed it's very exciting i can't wait to to hear the feedback and get it in everybody's hands and by the way uh, going back to the beginning of the podcast that's actually why peter and jerry don't want me to come by every week anymore because i over promise and <laughs> under deliver and i have a flashy package but uh, not much underneath <laughs> <laughs> not much substance not, right. but not much below the surface <laughs> and then yeah the other big i mean this this was kind of a huge year in terms of one-stop co-op shop because we went from a like main <laughs> what did we have we had a streaming channel and the youtube channel and the podcast the streaming channel has now become the co-op guild and we had six people like kind of on the main staff, if you were, if you, however you want to call it. And now we are down to three, me, Peter and uh, Jason. So if, if I mean, this, this is kind of old news at this point, but Colin is over with Berndt at Meet Me at the Table, which was always Berndt's channel, but now Colin's joined him there. They stream basically once a week. Colin still, and I think sometimes Berndt still do uh, pre-recorded plays as well. But uh, yeah, they have, uh, they have a lot of streams there. And then the Co-op Guild, that was the former streaming channel. They were always focused on streaming. So now it's uh, mainly Steve and Kim. They bring in uh, Derek from Kanji Studios, a whole bunch, a bunch of other uh, friends that they like frequently collaborate with. And yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I I was very, (laughs) I was very stressed out when all that stuff uh, shook out. But at least for me and my experience, I think it's all been very like amicable. We're all still supporting each other. I'm still talking to everybody. How do you feel about how it all like turned out? No, it was never anything but. I mean, honestly, it was we were all kind of doing our own things anyway. And we just decided to call it what it was, which is everybody's doing their own different thing. Right. You know, there was never any animosity at the end, anything like that. I was actually I didn't realize, you know, I I knew Steve was kind of doing his own thing and I couldn't stream anymore just I mean, I just didn't have the technical capability anymore. My computer broke down and my new computer, for whatever reason, wouldn't allow me to stream. And I was just running out of time because of all the publishing stuff. So I knew I was cutting back anyway. And I'd done some pre-recorded videos and it gave me more time to work on that. Less stress on myself and my family. Speaking of families, right? You know, you're gaming every other week now because, you know, you want to spend more time with your family. Well, I was committing every Friday night 
to streaming. And then every Saturday night, we'd have game night. So I didn't have any weekend nights with my family. Between that and my daughter playing hockey, a lot of people know, you know I talk about that a lot. It's just there wasn't a lot of free time to spend with my family and, and do family stuff. So I decided to stop streaming, not only because, I mean, it was it was a blessing, I guess, that my computer stopped working <laughs> because uh, it really it was a lot of stress. And then at that point, there was no reason for the streaming channel to be part of the main channel anymore. It just didn't make sense because, you know, it was kind of always doing its own thing anyway, but it made sense for it to be its own entity at that point. Yeah. And I think I think Steve and Kim are doing awesome stuff. Like they always had really cool ideas, but now they're able to like really spread their wings, like get their own logo, branding, merchandise, like awesome. Like Steve is always on the cutting edge of fun streaming technical like tie-ins and things. And then <laughs> kind of on the opposite end, I feel like Colin just wanted to chill. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like that's why he had quit the uh the What's Up Co-op shop for a while, uh, when I kind of like took over like many years ago. He just wanted to relax that he was like, all right, I'll come back and do like a video every once in a while. So now like he li- he and Barrett live, I don't know, I think it's like 20 or 30 minutes from each other. So they just he just rolls up once a week. They just play a game online, you know, and then he'll do a video. Right. Every yeah, once Colin doesn't have to do anything. Yeah, Barrett's I, doing all the work, right? <laughs> yeah, so I, I think they are very happy. So I and, and Jason, we love having Jason. You know, he still does the podcast with us. That's been a many, many year thing that he's been part of the podcast. And then he does his video every week. Peter does a video every now and then. I don't know. I, I'm very happy with the current like status quo and the collaboration we still all do together. So, and I will say, you know, we experimented with some stuff on the podcast, but I feel like the podcast has kind of come back to its roots as well. As far as like, you know, we said we were doing, you know, we're down a little on downloads this year, but it has nothing to do. You know, again, it's because we have less episodes than we've had right. in the past. I think if you look at our like Sunday downloads only, then you'd have consistent consistent growth growth. yeah yeah. but you know because we the wednesday episodes were kind of a an experiment for a while you know doing some social talk stuff like that some non-necessarily board game related stuff and we've you know we still got a little bit of that that is still important to us but at the same time we've kind of come back to what the core of the channel is which is talking about games uh and that's the most important thing you know there are plenty other podcasts that are talking about a lot of other stuff don't get me wrong look if there's a big social thing that we are all very passionate about we'll bring it up again but for the most part we're trying to stay focused on games and uh so you know it's it's been even though like the people on the podcast haven't necessarily changed i feel like we've kind of come back to our roots with the podcast Mm. a little bit um over the past year as well all right well if you're still here either listening or watching on the youtube channel assuming i got this on the youtube channel because i haven't done this with this program before (laughs) so we'll see what happens (laughs) but Thanks, everybody. Uh, thanks, Peter. It's been an awesome year. We are we are a lean team of three now, and I'm really looking forward to 2024. And geez, I mean, like, really, games arriving, games delivering soon, games you have in your house but just haven't played enough yet for us to do an episode on. I am super excited for 2024 and what's coming. Like, I think it's going to be great. You know, starting maybe with Agamonia. Holy crap. <laughs> I'm so into, like, the story of that one so far. That's awesome. Well, I can't wait for you to play it. Hopefully the gameplay lives up to that. And I also can't wait to see what we do as a publisher, too, because I'm spending more time focused on that. You know, we've got some ideas, definitely working through some stuff right now. Mike, I'm going to actually ask you to get on Tabletop Simulator with me at some point in the next week or two to kind of like pick a direction that we want to go for our next title. 
And uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty excited. We actually had our first submission, game submission the other day as well. Uh, unfortunately, we are not taking game submissions for our publishing house right <laughs> but now. But it was still very nice. But, uh, <laughs> it was super nice for, for somebody to consider us. And yeah, you know, please, you know, if you have games, feel free to reach out to us. We don't have it in our bandwidth to do it right now because this is definitely still just a, a hobby for us. And obviously, we have a lot of hobbies between one stop co-op shop, the publishing and everything else. But I'm pretty excited to see what we're doing. And I'm definitely uh, spending a lot more of my focus on the publishing stuff. And so I'm excited for our next project. And I think a lot of people will be and already are. People have been asking for this for a while from us. It's, it's our best game. We've designed a lot of games. This is our best one so far. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. I think Flame and Fang is up there oh, no, with it's it. Great. But it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a totally different, different type of game. Different type of game. Great seeing everybody as always. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list. Hey, Mike. Yeah. We've been doing this a long time, buddy. How many? When did we start the podcast? Co-op cast or whatever it was called? Co-op cast or whatever it was called. Well, now I've gone away from that, but it was 2017. So I guess this will be seven years this year. Oh my gosh. Remember when we started doing this, we're like, we'll probably just do five episodes. Yeah, yeah. Just give it a try. (laughs) That didn't work out so well. Oh my gosh. All right. Bye. Bye.